0: You know what the most dangerous thing in America is, right? Nigger with a library card. <laughs> this is the Most Dangerous Thing in America podcast, a show in which we talk about black books. Uh, And they're talked about by a black author, and you can listen if you're black or not black. This week on the podcast, we are talking about Richard Wright's posthumous novel, The Man Who Lived Underground. It was originally published in 1942 as a short story, but it was uh, drastically changed after being rejected as a novel. So it's been published now in 2021, and I bought it and read it kind of on a whim. And uh, I thought I knew a lot more about Richard Wright than I did, so I also had to go read about Richard Wright and Ralph Ellison and kind of learn more about uh, their careers and work and a few other things too because it reminded me of a couple pieces of work. So I kind of thought I knew the general um, themes that Richard Wright talked about and wrote and uh, dealt with his whole career. Um, and it turned out I didn't, so I had to go and and learn more about that, so that was interesting. Alright, so, a a quick, lightning quick synopsis of this novel is that, uh, our main character, Freddie Daniels, really the, the character of the novel, uh, he's, he gets off work, he's accused of a crime, picked up by the police, uh, rushed down to the police station, and then, um, some hijinks ensue, and he escapes, quite literally, into the underground. He escapes into the sewer system via manhole, um, and, and, and then he has an awakening when he's in the sewer system, he, he undergoes a true awakening. Um, so how are we going to discuss this novel? We're going to talk about kind of just the beginning, middle, and end. not kind of, that's exactly what we're going to do. The beginning, middle, and end. And then we're going to talk about, uh, the essay that Wright penned to go along with this novel called, uh, Memories of My Grandmother, which kind of explains stuff a little bit too much for my taste, but... That's that's the way it is. So, all right, the beginning of this novel is, um, okay, so let's just talk about the overall structure, first of all. Part one, part two, part three. Part one is above ground, before everything I just described, before he goes into the sewer system. Part two is the sewer system, the underground life of Freddie Daniels. And part three, he comes back above ground. Sorry, spoiler alert. Um, I'm assuming you've read the book. Okay, it, there will be spoilers. So, if you've not read the book... Or if you care about spoilers, but really you shouldn't care about spoilers. That's not why the books are great, right? The plot is just a device. Uh, okay, so the opening of this book is very difficult to read, kind of a little bit cringy in a way. Um, and uh, well, let me just start out by saying that in reading the afterword, I found out that the reason the book was rejected is because they thought maybe white audiences wouldn't take uh, wouldn't wouldn't be interested in reading about black people's trouble with the police surprise surprise um especially 70 years ago and i gotta say that as a black person in 2021 i am not particularly interested in reading this um because for well for two reasons uh i I don't really love reading about black pain i don't need everything to be escapism but i think that at this point um if there are Let's say two reasons why you, you read narratives like this. Um, and there are more than two reasons, but these two reasons. Um, one, to call attention to injustice, which I'm well aware of and, and don't need to be made more aware of, um, at least not in this, in, in this kind of way. And two, um, these, these uh, narratives are true. And they're a reality for black people already. So, if you're already living the reality, you don't necessarily want to go and read about the reality. That being said, of course these things are important, should be published, people should read them. And so it really comes down to the treatment of this subject. And that's really the problem with this opening, this uh, first part of the novel. It feels melodramatic. The treatment feels melodramatic. Not the... Not the not the um, the plot points or what's happening to Freddie Daniels, not the idea that this could happen. It does happen. It has happened to many black people. Um, every black person, I imagine, has some story about the police where things went awry. I know I have more than one, so um, that's not the issue here. It's just that there's something about Freddie Daniels in particular being an uneducated black man. That makes it feel like uh, so much more melodramatic because you're sitting there watching him be completely unaware of what's happening to him. And um, you kind of want to just yell out. You want to be the proverbial, the stereotypical black person in the movie theater yelling, watch out Freddy. Whereas if you're watching a character who is more aware of their surroundings, um, I suppose it would be more like watching a person drowning. Uh, In this scenario with Freddy, we see him drowning and he doesn't even know he's drowning. Maybe like, yeah, the sharks are just circling him, but he's blissfully unaware, at least for about 30 pages. He kind of just thinks, uh, ah, well, this will all work out. Um, There's something just more upsetting about it. And uh, yeah, didn't love that part. Didn't love that part. A different treatment would have been better, I think. Um, You also get the sense that, Richard Wright was kind of wrestling with what themes to include. Um, So in the essay, and I didn't want to skip ahead to the essay, but I'll go ahead and skip ahead here for a second. He only talks about the race theme because he discusses the themes in the story. He only talks about the race theme very briefly. He says, still another theme suggested in a rather muted way is the problem of the Negro. After all, Fred Daniels is a Negro, and Negroes in America are accused and branded and treated as though they are guilty of something. They don't know what they've done to be treated so. All of which has made a lot of Negroes write a lot of impassioned books saying, look here, I ain't done nothing. Give me a break for Christ's sake. So much for that theme. Um, I believe it is a a muted way that Richard Wright talks about this theme. I I believe that's true, but muted only in terms of pages, not in terms of... um, Mm, let's say focus, because the first part is certainly focused on that, but definitely the amount that's devoted to it is not much. Um, I think it's also interesting that he says a lot of Negroes have uh, have written a lot of imp- impassioned books. I wonder if he counts himself in that, you know, or counted himself in that, because I think that um, reviewers and critics and um, certain certain different writers, maybe you know, your Ralph Ellison types, would have said that he that he was. Uh, one of those very people, but the reason I say he's wrestling with himself is that between native son and his next novel, the outsider, uh, was it 11 years past, at least 11 years past. And, um, the outsider, which I'd never heard of before today. I'd only read native son. I'd read 12 million black voices and, uh, I had been familiar with black boy, but I had not read it. Um, But uh, The Outsider apparently is an existentialist novel. And the second part of this novel definitely deals chiefly with existentialism. And it's kind of funny. You go from Native Son, then you get the introduction of this book, which deals with race. And then the second part, not the introduction, the first part of this book that deals with race. Then you get the second part of the book that deals with existentialism. And then later, The Outsider, after this novel is rejected, The Outsider is an existentialist novel. So clearly he was headed that way and it feels like um you know it's interesting there's this whatever without getting too far into the Fen and Dubois thing uh, this is not a, a, a grad school paper um it feels like Wright maybe thought he had to clear out all of the stuff about race before he could get to the other stuff um you know the the general human problems and i think Ralph Ellison would would have disagreed with that but i'll save that for my grad school paper. It's enough to just say that this first section, I found it a bit melodramatic. I found the second section to be much more interesting. Um, and that's the section that deals with uh, our man, Freddie Daniels, underground. And he goes underground. And uh, I want to talk about two different things. I guess the first thing would be, yeah, let's talk about the plot part first. So first thing is he just encounters religion as soon as he gets underground. Yeah, uh, eh, well, there's a little bit of getting used to, you know, your eyes adjust and all that. And then eventually he's walking and he sees a basement that that has like a hole in the wall or something and he can he can peer in and it's a church and uh right is the the narrator tells us when he had sung and prayed with his brothers and sisters in church he had always felt that they felt but here in the underground distantly sundered from them he saw a defenseless nakedness in their lives that made him disown them all right so that's pretty quickly Established that now Freddie, and to borrow, because uh, we're talking about religion, to borrow a little bit from the Bible, Freddie is now uh, being—he's now in the world, but not of the world. He's now, uh, how did Wright put it, distantly sundered. So he's now at a remove, and he can see what this religion thing is all about, and he's disowned them, and it happens rather quick. And so the novel very quickly just takes a turn into existentialism. Uh, which I wasn't expecting. I thought I knew the works of Richard Wright. I thought they were mainly, you know, um, concerned with the issue of race. And I was wrong. Um, so, he he sees this church and then uh, he keeps walking and he sees a symbol for birth and he sees a symbol for death and he sees a symbol for leisure. Um, these, these episodes are longer than all of that. And uh, again, the narrator remarks... He could not awaken them. He sighed. Yes, they were children. Sleeping in their living. Awake in their dying. So now Richard, or excuse me, Freddie Daniels has come into the underground and he is awake. He has the blinders off of his eyes. The doors of perception have been opened. Um, It's very interesting. I just never thought of Richard Wright as an existentialist. Uh, But but here we are. And then so um, all of these symbols I think are pretty clear. I was making these notes as I was reading going along and and then at some point, and I, I brought this up a little bit earlier with the essay that is uh, written was written as an accompaniment to this uh, this novel, you know, all those years ago. Um, I Feel like he goes too much, shows us too much of his hand. You know, he's the magician giving us too much of his trick. He has this passage at the end of so at the end of this little section where he's um, exploring the underground. Not the end of part two, but the end of like the first half of part two. He gives us this. Um, He lifted the sack, descended the steps, and lugged it across the basement, gasping for breath. Finally, he stood in the cave, brooding about the items he had stolen, and he remembered the singing in the church, the people yelling in the theater, the dead baby, and the nude man stretched out cold upon the white table. He saw these things hovering above his eyes, and he felt that some dim meaning tied them together, that some magical relationship made them kin. He stared with vacant eyes, convinced that all of these images, with their tongueless reality, were striving to tell him something. For me, I thought that we already... I thought the symbols were pretty clear. I didn't think it was necessary to tell us that um, that Freddy was contemplating these things. I thought the allegory of the underground was working well enough for me. Um, but, whatever. Uh, maybe a little bit too much. Maybe not. Maybe other people like it. Um, at any rate, Freddy is now... Uh, he's no longer under the same delusion that you and I are, walking around above ground, not knowing what's what. So he's had this break with reality, or uh, rather a clear-eyed view of what reality really is. And Freddy goes on a bit of a spree. So, um, yeah, he, he he stays underground, he goes on a bit of a spree. And so anyway, um, I, I thought this was all interesting. Again, I didn't know Wright was an existentialist, and so I started to think about... Uh, three novels in relation to this that I didn't think I was going to be thinking about going into this, and that is This Stranger by uh, Camus, uh, Invisible Man by Ellison, and Notes from the Underground by Dostoevsky. I should confess that, you know, the word underground is kind of a trigger, and that Invisible Man, there's a trigger in the essay for Invisible Man, but I was thinking about it um, before I got to the essay. But uh, definitely, Underground, there was a trigger of it, but there are these similar themes, and it's also interesting that you know, uh, Wright's next novel is called The Outsider. I don't think it's any coincidence. I just don't think he's ever talked about in the, as an existentialist, at least not usually. His most studied book is is about the fact that he uh, was able to capture what it was like for a young black man to move up from the South, escape the South and move into, um, yeah, I think it was Memphis and then Chicago and Native Son and develop communist tendencies. So uh, the... Oh, but so uh, so these three novels, you know, they all deal with uh, the concept of existentialism and invisibility and ostracization, and that's that's what's really going on here in the underground. That's what Freddie Daniels is really dealing with, um, and so this second part of the book uh, is is very interesting for those reasons. And uh, it's been over a decade since I've read. The Stranger, Invisible Man, and Notes from the Underground. So I don't, you know, remember them very well. But I would say there's definitely overlap. The general idea of them is present here. And uh, in doing a little bit of um, light, (laughs) light, light research for this podcast, uh, I saw that Ellison said that uh, Wright wasn't an influence for Invisible Man. And I thought that was interesting. One, they had a very, apparently... Interesting relationship, and two, this short story was written and published ten years before *Invisible Man*. I find it hard to believe that it could that it didn't have any influence upon Ralph Ellison, and I also feel like Ralph Ellison went out of his way to have all of his influences, all all of the writers he named. None of them, um, at least in the little you know light research I found were black. So I thought that was very interesting. I you know, I I think Ralph Ellison really strived to not be pigeonholed as a certain type of anything, and certainly not a certain type of black, you know, really beating the drum on the we are not a monolith. Hey, I get it, you know, like we're not a monolith and that's cool. But um yeah, uh, at any rate We're not a monolith, but I think there is some overlap between what Wright was discussing and what Invisible Man was discussing. I'd be interested to read The Outsider, which was published a year after Invisible Man, and see what the overlap was there. And then I'd be interested to go back and read Invisible Man. But I'm not a grad student, so (laughs) if I I decide to become a grad student, I will do all of these things. But uh, I'll probably read The Outsider regardless. I, I just don't know if I'll go back and read Invisible Man again. Um, I remember it being long. I could, I could, I could see reading *The Stranger* and *Notes from the Underground* again. They're both quick, uh, and this was quick, by the way. This book, this book, *Notes from the* or uh, *The Man Who Lived Underground*. Is it a novel, folks? It's about a hundred and thirty pages. Is that a novel? One wonders. One wonders. Um, okay, so the last part of part two, so just to be clear about this little plot that we're talking about here, he's had his epiphany, he goes on his spree, that's all happening, and while he's on his spree, I just, I like this sentence, this is what I'm building up to, while he's on this spree, he discovers a typewriter in a basement, uh, and, um, he goes up to the typewriter, and the narrator describes it thusly, It was a queer instrument, something beyond the rim of his life. Now, I just got done, you know, Maybe maybe we could use the word castigating Ellison for his uh, relationship towards being black. But this is also an interesting thing with um, Richard Wright and uh, the fact that Freddie Daniels is uh, uneducated and maybe, let's say, outside of the class of, um, of people who get to use a typewriter, a queer instrument, something beyond the rim of his life. Let me first say that I love the language of this of this sentence. And the language of this second uh, part of the book is fantastic altogether. Um, So there's no qualms there. I I actually highlighted the sentence because of the language and only subsequently started to think about it and think, why is it that Freddie Daniels is, has to be this character that is um, uneducated and uh, poor? Um, Why couldn't he have been, you know, like Richard Wright, which yeah. Okay. At one point, Richard Wright was uneducated and poor, but not the whole time. And um you know, like uh, at the beginning of the novel, while he's getting picked up by the police, it's like, oh, it's this poor, unaware, uneducated black guy. Well, that doesn't, those aren't the only folks who get or experience racism. Certainly, they experience it um, a worse form of racism than, you know, a middle class black person or an upper class black person. But, um, yeah, and you know, intersectionality aside, I think that some critics of right would point out that like, uh, you know, you can have a character be aware. I mean, Hey, you know what? Still have him be poor, but you can have him at least be aware, you know, to be uneducated doesn't mean to be completely unaware. And it feels like Freddie Daniels is just constantly taken. Um, he's constantly surprised, but that might have more less to do with, uh, with um him being uh, poor and more to do with just the fact that uh, that uh, Richard Wright wanted to use him as a you know piece of the allegory as a person who comes awake um, Unfortunately, we're given the essay at the end of the novel and it kind of explains why Freddie Daniels is the way he is and and I would say that it, it leaves little doubt as to what the reason he's um He's uh, he's uh, unaware is so um, had it just been left vague, I think it would have been better. We could have debated it for all time, and maybe you still can debate. Okay, but uh, at any rate, um, just to wrap this up, fantastic writing in the second part. Um, the allegory works; it's very interesting. Explore some interesting themes that I didn't think I was going to get out of a Richard Wright novel, and I enjoyed it. Then we get to the third part, and I'm going to be very quick about this. We return to the melodrama. Um, It's fine. It wraps up the novel well. And like the parts that aren't melodrama are good. But (sighs) there's something just the least bit infuriating about Freddie Daniels. In that he's so unaware. Um, Naive might even be the better word. Naive. In a way that a person wouldn't be naive. Um, Who had lived where he had lived, and, you know, seen the things he had seen. Um, Don't know if a black person would have been that naive at any point. 1942? (sighs) Just doesn't seem like it. Just doesn't seem like it. Not in the city. Not in the country. Not anywhere. It's not like like black people didn't know what's going on, don't know what's going on now. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting, between Ellison and Wright and uh, their characters who are aware and unaware and their depictions of, um, different types of black people. It's interesting, uh, but we'll leave it for the grad students at any, at any rate, the second part of the novel, very enjoyable. The third part returns to melodrama and, um, a little bit less enjoyable, but not a bad, uh, conclusion to the novel. Um, and I would say overall, I really enjoyed reading the novel. I read it in about two hours. I blasted right through it, um, It was an interesting read, plenty of things to think about, even besides like all of the stuff I'm talking about here, which is uh, frankly not really super important to the novel. Like if you just left out the idea of like what Wright was trying to get across um, and just came away with what you took from the novel you'll be pretty interested. And to that end, I I would say you could almost just skip the essay at the end of the novel. I think I was ruined by the essay. So in the essay, Wright talks about, um, the Genesis for this, which is basically his grandmother's religious disposition is what Freddie Daniels is supposed to represent. And this kind of narrow worldview, um, that rejects anything outside of its own, um, its own reality. And, um, I just, I don't think I needed to know that, you know? I think that if you just read the novel and you decided, you know, if you really did the Barthian thing and were like, hey doesn't matter what the author says, you'd probably be better. And after I read, the, the only reason I read the essay is because he put it in there. There was a an afterword written by a different writer included in the book, which I skipped because I didn't want to be influenced by anything. But because Richard Wright explicitly wrote this essay to be included with this novel, I was like, okay, well I owe it to the writer. But um, it's colored my enjoyment of the novel. Before I knew about the reason he wrote it this way, I just really enjoyed the existentialist themes and was pleasantly surprised by them. Um, at any rate, the essay covers, uh, so Memories of His Grandmother is what it's called, Memories of My Grandmother. It covers the fact that um, his grandmother's religious disposition was incompatible with his own disposition. It covers the idea of surrealism and its um, its relationship to black art, uh, specifically the blues and other things. It uh, it covers jazz and how jazz is um, like kind of a driving force in what Richard Wright's trying to do. He kind of talks about how this this book was kind of conceived like a jazz song it just, from start to finish. He just was inspired by this vision he had and he just went out and did it. And um, also talks about Gertrude Stein and a few other uh, a few other European ideas and writers. He talks about Freud and uh, doesn't mention the word existentialism explicitly, but certainly that was there too. So um, my advice is read the novel and skip the essay unless you are interested in and um, in knowing what his intentions were. And I think that you'll enjoy it just fine just reading the novel. Um, I know I did. I know I would have, but now I've read the novel and now I've gone down the rabbit hole of Ralph Ellison and Richard Wright and what this one meant and what that one said. And eventually I'm going to have to go back and look at what James Baldwin thought about it, too, and um, trying to figure out who was right and who was wrong. Eh, I don't know. I think I'd rather just enjoy the work, Um, but it's too late now. All right. uh, So that's going to do it for this episode um next week i don't know what i'm reading yet so stay safe stay healthy stay black and keep reading